0: The lesson this morning shall be taken from John 13, verse 18 to 30. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture, He who shed my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, Whoever accepts me, accepts anyone I send, accepts me. And whoever accepts me, accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood what, why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. We shall listen to the sermon by Rev. Lenita. Title is Love and Forgiveness at the Last Supper.
1: Thank you very much, Duncan. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, whenever we look at the word the Last Supper, we think of the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. What we do every month here in church, we call it Holy Communion or we call it the Lord's Supper. So the phrase, the Last Supper, is usually reserved for the uh, celebration or the uh, remembrance on Monday Thursday, the night before Good Friday, when we remember really Jesus had his last meal uh, on earth with his disciples. The Lord's Supper is also known as the Eucharist, which means a Thanksgiving meal and uh, it's also called Holy Communion because that's when we want to commune with our Lord. John Wesley calls it a means of grace that as we partake of the Holy Communion, we experience the grace of the Lord in our lives. But this morning, I want to call it the Last Supper, not just for Jesus, that is his last meal, but also I want to highlight the fact that it was also the last meal for Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. Now, many of us may know it in the US prison system, the criminal on death row who will be facing death, the, the, the uh, punishment by death the following day, is entitled to order anything that he or she may want to eat. And they can order anything. And so that meal is often called the last meal the last meal before the person dies and so it is also for judas this meal this last supper the the, uh, the the supper with the lord was also his last meal he may not know it the disciples may not know it but it was his last meal and so very often when i read this passage i was just thinking for judas Did he realize that it is his last meal? Or was he thinking that once he betrayed Jesus and the others find out, they will probably just unfriend him and he could go on with his his life without realizing that, you know, this is also his last meal? I often wonder that for Judas, when he agreed to betray Jesus, what was on his mind? Did he think that when he betrayed Jesus, the chief priest would only maybe merely stop Jesus from preaching and teaching? And maybe just put Jesus in jail and not to crucify him? Because later I'll point out to you that what happened to Judas, he was filled with remorse with his action. But first of all, as we look at the four Gospels, Judas is very famous. He's mentioned in all four Gospels of what he did. And he's called the betrayer. In Matthew, right, one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot. It's mentioned there, Matthew 26. Mark chapter 14, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus. And then Luke and Judas went to the chief priest. And John, of course, chapter 13, that we're looking at. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus so his name is mentioned in all four Gospels and mentioned before the meal before the Lord's Supper but very interestingly during the meal during the Last Supper Mark and Luke did not mention anything else no nothing as you compared with Matthew and John all right so let's look at um, now this is the picture the painting uh, not the original one, but the uh, uh, painting uh, by uh, Leonardo. And so then, um, it's a very interesting painting, so you all can go and uh, Google and find out more. But what I want to highlight today is that the four Gospels all mention the name of Judas, but very interestingly, in Mark and Luke, as we look at it, when the meal was going on, Jesus only mentioned that one of them one of the t- 12 would betray him in mark chapter 14 all right jesus said i tell you one of you will betray me and then they asked all right uh, uh, surely you don't mean me uh, Then he said one of the twelve. he, he didn't he didn't mention anything else it was, or rather mark didn't record any other incident any other conversation the same with luke all right jesus only said that the one who's going to betray me is here at the table in Matthew, however, as you look at it, in Matthew there seemed to be something happening. All right, in Matthew chapter 26, all right, again Jesus said the same thing: somebody's going to betray me. And then it, Matthew recorded, Judas asked, "You don't mean me, do you?" And Jesus answered, "You have said so." And that's it right at least in matthew there was that little bit of conversation between jesus and judas but it is here in john chapter 13 that we're looking at today that there is a secret conversation all right now many of us even now with zoom while zoom meeting is going on we have the little chat ongoing or we have the whatsapp so there is a secret conversation That nobody else know about and so let's look at John chapter 13 all right Jesus answered the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish then dipping the piece of bread he gave it to Judas as soon as Judas took it Satan entered into him all right and so there's the action of giving bread and then in verse 28 to verse 30 no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this. Okay? In fact, Jesus then told Judas that whatever you need to do, go do it quickly. And then, because Judas was in charge of the money, the other 11 disciples thought that Jesus was telling him to go and buy what is needed or to give to the poor. And then, after taking the bread, Judas went out. My dear brothers and sisters, my dear friends, just looking at this incident, we all know that Jesus already knew who was going to betray him. Even before the meal started, he knew it's Judas. And yet during the meal as recorded by Mark and Luke, no names was mentioned. In Matthew, just a hint of giving him the bread, And here in John, although there is a secret conversation going on, Jesus did not reveal to the others that he knew who it was. And so here you see, no one understood why Jesus said this. No one else knew. Friends, at the point of his last supper, we know that Jesus had all along been focused and very determined to come to Jerusalem to go to the cross. He knew he wanted to fulfill the Father's will in his life. He loved the whole world. But yet here, as we come down to looking at the individual persons, Jesus, of course, loved the disciples. He washed their feet and he taught them. But here today, as we focus on Judas, Jesus loved him as well. At this final few hours of the life of Jesus here on earth, he still showed his love to Judas. See what happened? When Jesus knew that it was Judas, he did not tell anyone else. Can you imagine during the meal when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, and it's you, Judas, you're going to betray me. If Jesus had done that, What would have happened? Can you all make a guess? Remember when Jesus was in the garden uh, and the soldiers came and arrested him? What did Peter do? Peter took a knife and cut off the servant's ear. So can you imagine there in the upper room, if Jesus had said there, you, Judas, you're going to betray me, what would Peter have done? Would Peter have also found a sword and then and then pointed at Judas? Would the others all jump on Judas? You see, friends, by not revealing that it was Judas who was going to betray him, Jesus continued to show love to Judas. He loved him. And then Remember, we read about him taking the bread, dipping it, and giving it to Judas. It's a sign of love and respect, an honored guest at the meal. Jesus didn't do it to anyone else, except to Judas. Throughout his time on earth, Jesus loved all his disciples, including Judas. Jesus was the one who chose the twelve disciples. Jesus taught and showed his love. Judas, among the twelve, would have been exposed to all the teachings that Jesus taught about money, about the kingdom of God, about love, about sevenhood. He heard it all. And not only that, he saw what Jesus did. He was there at all the miracles. And yet, he chose to betray Jesus. Judas was loved and protected even in this final moment of the life of Jesus Christ. He was trusted. And so that's why the other disciples thought that because he had the money, he was going to do something with the money. And so Jesus still loved and protected him. But sadly for Judas, all the love and forgiveness he had experienced before, and even in these final hours did not restrain him from betraying Jesus. And so sadly, in Matthew chapter 27, and only Matthew records this, that when Jesus uh, when Judas, who betrayed Jesus, saw that Jesus was condemned to death, what happened? Judas was seized with remorse and he returned the 30 pieces of silver and he said, I have sinned because I have betrayed innocent blood. And then we go on in this passage, it's recorded that Judas then hanged himself. Now, Bible scholars look at the word remorse and said that it is not regret of the action that he has done but rather it reflects the embarrassment of being caught. That Judas, we all know, he has been taking money from the money bank and he was never caught. But here, when he betrayed Jesus, he realized that he has been caught. It is such an embarrassment. It is such a failure. And so with that, Judas felt that he can't go on And so he took his own life. I've often compared Judas with Peter. We often said that Peter denied Christ. But actually, Peter also betrayed Christ. Two of them, both of them, betrayed Jesus. And I felt that Peter deserved a greater punishment. Why? Peter was the leader of the pack. And he was so close with Jesus, he was in the inner circle. He should know better. And in fact, Jesus had already warned Peter that you're going to deny me. And so Peter should be more alert. And yet the difference between Peter and Judas is that Peter repented. Peter went back to the Lord. Remember in John, the last chapter of John, Peter went fishing, and when he saw the Lord, he was so excited. And our Lord Jesus Christ asked him three times, Do you love me? And with that, Jesus restored Peter. But sadly, not Judas. Now just imagine with me, if after he threw the money back at the chief priest and elders, Judas go to the cell where Jesus was being held. And if he had come to Jesus and said, "'Sorry, Lord, I have sinned,' what would Jesus have done? Would Jesus have forgiven Judas? And so the sad thing was that Judas chose his own way out. Friends, we all make mistakes, don't we? And we all make bad choices in life, some really bad ones. Like Judas, we may have been caught in a very embarrassing situation. And we're totally ashamed and we despair, maybe even to the point of death. We're so embarrassed. And so here today, I want to use the life of Judas for us to reflect on what he did. Judas at the point of embarrassment and despair took his own life and so the word is often used as suicide meaning taking your own life now some of us may not know it in our methodist book of discipline it is not just all about laws okay there's also some what is called a section called social principles and in para 86 it is talking about church and general welfare there is a paragraph that talks about suicide And this is what is written in our Methodist Book of Discipline. We believe that suicide is not the way a human life should end. The Church, therefore, does not condone suicide. Nevertheless, suicide is often the result of untreated depression or untreated pain and suffering. A despair, a failure, an embarrassment that we cannot face. And then, The Church has an obligation to see that all persons have access to needed pastoral and medical care and therapy in those circumstances that lead to loss of self-worth, societal despair, and or the desire to seek physical assisted suicide. The Church has an obligation to help people in such despairing situations. And then we encourage the Church to provide education to address the biblical, theological, social, and ethical issues related to death and dying, including suicide. A Christian perspective on suicide begins with an affirmation of faith that nothing, including suicide, separates us from the love of God. Romans 8:38 to 39 Therefore, we deplore the condemnation of people who commit suicide, and we consider unjust the stigma that so often falls on surviving family and friends. In Malaysia, suicide is a crime. And so the stigma that comes with it for the surviving members, family and friends, and so what is the church needed to do? What does the church need to do? We encourage pastors and faith communities to address these issues through preaching and teaching. We urge pastors and faith communities to provide pastoral care to those at risk, survivors and their families who have lost loved ones to suicide, seeking always to remove the oppressive stigma around suicide the church opposes assisted suicide and euthanasia now many of us may not know that this is found in our methodist book of discipline some of you may have realized that in the past few months or few weeks pastors we are going through some key issues in the book of discipline and so we want to highlight some of these social principles that as a church as methodist church members we need to know and to be aware of i think about two weeks ago pastor vincent talked about our christian faith and science and technology and so today i want to highlight the whole uh, issue sensitive and tragic about suicide now do you know that in the bible there were people there were at least six persons who committed suicide In the book of Judges, this king, King Abimelech, he failed in his military attempt. And so he killed himself. And then Samson, right? We all remember Samson, the story of Samson, how he was strong and so on. But remember, his eyes were gorged out, and so he was blinded. At the end of his life, in chapter 16, verse 30, when Samson, the blind Samson, went into the temple he held on to the two pillars, and his prayer was, Let me die with the
0: Philistines.
1: And indeed, he died. He pushed the pillar, the house came down. He died with the Philistines. And then in uh, First Chronicles, uh, this is something that we may all know, Saul was very badly wounded by an arrow shot by the enemy. And so he didn't want to be killed by the Philistines and so he asked his army bearer to kill him but the army bearer refused to and so in first chronicles chapter 10 verse 1 to 6 it is written saul fell on his own sword and then we have in second samuel uh, the prophet all right he hanged himself after he betrayed david and then in uh, first kings chapter 16 this king zimri burned his own house when he was in the house because of the military defeat. Friends, if you go and look at all these passages, you will realize that these persons, because of despairing, because of the fact that they cannot think what would happen next after their failures, after their bad choices, after their mistakes, they chose the way out by taking their own lives. And not only are these recorded, there are people who are suicidal whose prayer is, God, take my life. That's it. I I want to die already. Of course, the most famous one is Elijah. Remember? He did such a great thing. And then he sat under the tree and then he said, I have enough. God, I want to die. Let me die. Take my life. All right, that was his prayer to God. And, of course, Jonah also. Not, you see, Jonah, when he was in the fish stomach, he prayed to live. God, save me, forgive me. But yet, after he had preached the Gospel and the Ninevites have believed in God, in chapter 4 of Jonah, he sat under the branch with the sun shining on him. He wanted to die. And so he said, it's better for me to die. Than to live. I am so angry. I wish I was dead. Brothers and sisters in Christ, yes, all those people thought that death would be a way out because there's no other way. But do we all realize that the end of man is the beginning of God? When there seems to be no other way, God can't do something. I'm sure many, many of us at different points in our lives may have also prayed the prayer, God take my life, that's it, I want out. Or we may have despair really at the point of death. Whether it is failures, financial, emotional, family, academic, whether it's to the point of such embarrassment that we can't possibly face anyone else, like Judas. Or whether it is pain and suffering that we can't bear anymore, terminal illnesses. Many of us may have thought of ending our own life. Or we know of loved ones, friends, who may have also thought about it and even, I mean, Um, may, may have taken their own lives as well. But we need to remember not only that the end of man is the beginning of God, but also as a faith community, we want to embrace and know that people do suffer. And so we want to reach out and help. In this pandemic, it's been reported that the rate of suicide has increased and it's brought countless pain to the family. And so here, based on our book of discipline, based on our social principles, all of us, not just the pastors, but all of us, we can provide care to those at risk, to survivors, to family, to embrace them and to remove the stigma surrounding society. And of course today as we come forward for Holy Communion, Holy Communion often reminds us of the love of God, the sacrifice of Christ, the eternal hope that Christ will drink with us in eternity. But Communion today I want to highlight the fact that love and forgiveness was extended to Judas and likewise extends to us today when Jesus broke the bread when Jesus gave the bread to Judas by his refusal to reveal and expose Judas wicked plan Jesus showed love and forgiveness to Judas. And so likewise today, as we come, as we celebrate Holy Communion in our own homes, we're reminded of the love and forgiveness that was there at the Last Supper, but it's also here today with us. And as we saw just now in the social principles mentioning Romans 8, 38 to 39. Paul writes, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to add on, neither failures, financial, emotional, academic, relational career, no failures, neither despair and embarrassment, neither bad choices, all of these, neither shame or failure, is able to separate us from the love of God. And so friends, Whatever your failures and your shame and embarrass- embarrassment, pain and suffering may be, will you come to him and receive his love and forgiveness as you partake of the bread and the cup? Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to you for your love. For each one of us, Jesus, you knew Judas's failure. You knew his bad choice. You knew his betrayal. And yet you showed his, your love to him. You forgave him. And so for some of us today, with our bad choices and failures and pain and suffering and embarrassment and shame, God we may feel that you can't forgive us and so we despair and some may even despair to the point of death and so Lord Jesus I pray and I ask of you to fill us with your love allow us to embrace your forgiveness help us to look to you Jesus and know that As much as you reach out to love Judas, you reach out and love us even more. And so as we spend time reflecting on your love, as we celebrate the Eucharist, as we give thanks to you, as we commune with you, be with us and minister to us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.